You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. We are two weeks away from our our opener for the season. First stop of the U.S. National Series. You and I have both committed to going. We both had two of our biggest workouts this weekend. And immediately, I saw a very concerning picture on your social media. Yeah. Yeah, workout didn't really go as planned. We'll say that. Now, mine didn't go as planned, and I was excited to talk to you about it. And your message to me preempted our whole conversation. So we didn't even talk because it was just said, I might be effed. We should talk both sides. We should still talk this out. But well, I'm saying we didn't even get to talking the workouts because yours just ended so early and drastically that there was no need to even discuss the workouts. Uh, so I've been endurance training since I was, what, 14? Not once in my life have I ever rolled or sprained an ankle in all my sports. In Never soccer. soccer? Nothing. I have rubber ankles. I really do. I roll them all. I'll land on the ball joint. Like I'll roll it so bad that my ankle will hit the ground and I'll limp it off for five strides and go right back into life, so to speak. But not this time, Bracken. And of all things, it was on clean concrete, not on a trail, not on a icy bike path. I was running on cement clean. And what happened? Um, So it's cold here. It was like negative 14 when I started my run on Saturday morning. And so point being is the snow like when the plows shove the snow up onto the sides of the road, it creates these little balls of snow and then they harden into like literally ice balls. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then some of those kind of dribble back down into the road and a car was coming and believe it or not, I, well, Bracken and I were waffling over what workouts we were going to do this weekend. So we had a conversation about it. I ended up choosing the workout that we actually have on our running public training plan. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, fartlek. It okay. covered all bases for me. I was 30 seconds into my first rep of my first one minute effort, 30 seconds into the workout, a car was coming. So I was hugging the snowbank tight. There was about a golf ball sized chunk of ice just laying on the concrete uh, that I must not have seen. I landed on it. So, you know, running hard and fast right on my forefoot. And then I woke up on the ground. That was it. Just uh, like that. And I wore my brand new red Patagonia jacket, my Houdini. I got holes in both palms of my gloves all the way down scraped oh, you up went down my hard. elbow oh i hit the like somebody shot me with a rifle it was it i walked oh. it off for five minutes but it was so cold bracken that i couldn't walk home because i would have froze to death that's true so i started <laughs> limp running and you had already warmed up to this place i assume so you're two yeah. miles from home correct um so it was a real and ugly it's negative 14 without wind chill with, it was negative 24 with wind chill, yeah. Yeah, and then you can't sp- walk in running clothes. Nope. So it was not a great morning for myself. And that damn car that I got over for didn't even stop. I looked like a wreck. It was like a road where nobody else was at, and they just kept cruising. I'm sure they wondered what happened to me. But anyways, uh, I don't know. I've never dealt with this before, but uh, it's not good. It's not great. It's not, it's no, not it's good. not. And I am the opposite athlete. I rolled my ankle for the first time as a sophomore in high school. Okay. And I have probably rolled each ankle to the point where I had to take a week or two off of running eight to 10 times each. Oh, wow. And that pattern, I'd roll it bad every three to four months from that first time all the way until my first year of Spartan. And I rolled it bad in the first race I did. And then I took up trail running and it it eliminated it. I have, I just, I mean, I tweak my ankle from time to time, but I haven't had to take a day off because of an ankle probably since 2011 now. So trail racing fixed me. It's interesting because that's where they normally would happen. Yeah. It just strengthened me so much. Hmm. 
But, but I mean, we talked about the protocol that I go with, which you know I've tried everything over the years because I've sprinted so often. It was ice bucket morning, noon, and night doing the ABCs and one, two, threes with your ankle in the water. Mm-hmm. And that gets me back the quickest. But there are times where I can't run for two weeks. And there are times where I can run three days later. And there's one time where I had one like yours, Kirk, where I was like, I was shot. I was mm-hmm. run, crossing a median in college at Whitewater on the first day back to campus, first day of mm-hmm. practice. And I jumped over a little bush at the end of it and didn't clear the median. My heel, very edge of my heel caught the curb. And so my toe hit the ground and then my ankle bone hit the ground. Oh, that sounds terrible. And after weeks, I still was like hobbled. So I went in, got an x-ray and I had rolled it so hard that I had pulled a chip off the bone. And that was the problem. But that one, so that one took me six months until I had no swelling. It would swell up after every workout. So six months till I ran pain-free. But I could run after about seven weeks. I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you what. I didn't know how much a sprained ankle hurts. When that happened, I thought my ankle was broken half. Of all the injuries I've had in my entire life, mm-hmm. it's the most pain, the most like visceral stomach turning pain I've ever had. I've dislocated fingers. I've broken fingers. I've broken ribs. I broke my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've separated a shoulder. I, I've, I mean, I've, I haven't had horrific injuries, but I've done enough. And a sprained ankle churns my stomach like no, a hard sprain where like your ankle touches the ground. It's the yeah. worst stomach churning pain I've ever had. Yeah, I had it no sounds idea. Foolish. It sounds foolish. Yeah, but when it happens, oh man, does it happen. Your life pauses for about a minute where you can't think of anything except that pain. Like you're on the ground and you don't want to get up. You know, I will say the plus side is, you know, when you go out and run in that cold weather, it kind of makes you feel alive, right? Like it really wakes you up. And then when you add a sprained ankle on top of it in negative 14 degree weather, it's probably the most alive I felt Bracken in some <laughs> years. <laughs> so there's a plus side. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I do. I do know that if I rotate my foot inwards, it's excruciating. Mm-hmm. If I'm planting perfectly, like I was like just chopped like uh, trotting through the gym a little bit with a shuffle this morning and my foot hits the ground perfectly. I feel like I can get away with it. And since I posted this last night, I mean, I might've had 200 messages and and half of those are giving advice, you know, and some are like, use that thing right away. And you want to just use it and work it out and keep the mobility and go for a run on clean terrain as fast as you can, if your body can handle it. And then some are like ice bucket, don't move it. Like I've dealt with it. I'm like, Oh man, like this, but the ones, the athletes that like the OCR athletes, some of the top, top notch guys are telling me to use it. They're saying, get out and use it. And sometimes that's the case. I mean, I can tell you that my bad ones, I couldn't have trotted across the gym no matter what. I shuffled. I said, I don't know. Yeah, if like that wasn't right. an option on the bad one. Mm. So, I mean, that one in college, I didn't go to class for a couple of days until I could get a boot because I couldn't do anything on it. Yeah, I'm not there. Luckily. I mean, I didn't need much excuse to miss class. In college. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. It, it was, it was rough. So, I mean, if you have some use, you have some use, but yeah, it's not ideal two weeks out from your, what might turn out to be your A race of the year. I know. You know, I just have to laugh. Honestly, when it happened, I was just like, I didn't even, it's not like I came home and shed a tear. I was a little somber for a couple hours, but I'm like, we've been doing this for so long. If my life revolves around my athletic performance than I am lacking in the rest of my life. Right. Mm -hmm. So like by the time the afternoon rolled around, I had already put my positive pants back on and I was like, it is what it is. If I had to wait a year to race, I can wait another four months if I have to, like till the next one pops up. So it's going to be TBD. I've been saying I'm going to Jacksonville. Um, That's still my intent, but I think these next 10 days are going to be really telling. So I'm going to run on it tomorrow. You are on flat, clean terrain. I've already, I mean, I might turn around by the time I get to the end of my driveway. I don't know, but my intent is to go see real slow and easy. And I think I'll know a lot more by midweek. So here's the thing. If you can even think about jogging, you're ahead of schedule. Yeah. I can think about jogging. Yeah. But if I so much as turn a corner too hard and push on that ankle, like I could set myself right back to the beginning. And what I am concerned about is, um, if I'm not running on a road, my ankle's constantly flexing. There's no way I can run on this in muddy Jacksonville. Not a chance. You'd have to be taped up. Yeah. So we will see, folks. Uh, that's frustrating. How about, yeah. How about your workout? Before we get into our topic of the day, what well, what happened with you? What did you do this weekend? <laughs> well, Friday night, I, I scouted out places all week. I was debating because 
and I, we had had this conversation. This is an obstacle course race we're doing, and I haven't touched an obstacle in a year and a half. So I really wanted to do something where I had to hang and swing and get my rhythm down, get in and out of something quick with fast hands. So I, the trails that I know are compacted, the snow is packed down with the VJ zeros I can rip through, does not have a playground near it. The playgrounds are not near any compacted trail. So I went out, I took a 45 pound plate and uh, wrapped it around my waist and I created trails at the best playground I could find through there. It's butts up, it's part of a park, so it butts up to trails, but they're not running trails or fat bike tail, trails, so they're they're nasty. So I spent uh, about an hour, hour and a half the night before. I dragged out a 600, a 400, and a 300 meter loop, and went over each one so a that couple was your times. Prep? Hold on, your your prep sounds like a workout in itself. I didn't. I stayed like aerobic threshold. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, my hips were tired the next day, which that's dedication, folks. I was okay with. I I wanted to I wanted to hit the sim with everything I had, and I wanted it to be as close to Jacksonville's race as possible. So it ended up being three and a half miles. Uh, the longest run I ever did between an obstacle was six hundred meters. The shortest was three hundred. It was it's about what I expect for race day, and I did every everything I wanted to do. I did two crawls. I did three carries. I did the water simulation where you have to like go through knee and waist deep water by going through knee and waist deep snow. Yeah. And I did every, I, I got down in the, on the uh, bike path and I crawled, you know, I did, I did everything, but what was my main point of emphasis? I said to you, what I really wanted to focus on transitions, hard transitions in and out. Yeah. Well, the yeah. playground was thigh deep snow. <laughs> and so even when I dragged the plate over it, it would just go down six inches each time. So I would have had to be there all night to get it compact. So that ended up being the worst terrain out of anything. And that was my obstacle hub. All my carries were set up in the pavilion next to it. Every time I did a run, I came back. The last 50 meters entered that area and it was running through terrible footing. And then the obstacles were there. So I ended up having the inverse of what I wanted. I could work as hard as I wanted on the trails. But as soon as I got to the obstacles, it was like the slowest transition in and out possible. So mm. in that vein, it was disappointing because I really wanted to leap in and leap off and accelerate. And that just, you're going through knee deep snow. There's no leaping in and leaping off. The The monkey bar, I think is seven feet off the ground. And there was four feet of, of space between the top of the snow and the monkey bar. It's just, it was, it was not what I intended. So Man. good news is it was negative uh, four without wind chill. It was negative 18 with wind chill when I started. And I got through all the grip obstacles. Oh, I mean, this, this, by the way, this weather has been stupid. It's been really cold. Dumb. And we have another week of it, but it is hard to hit the ground running fast. What sub 530 pace would you like to transition in and out and in guiding yeah. snow? That's not going to happen. But will it make the transition feel easier when you're only in ankle deep mud? Maybe it will. It can't be worse. Yeah. And no matter how cold and wet our hands are there, they won't be colder than taking my mittens off and grabbing a monkey bar with ice on the top of it when it's, you know, below zero outside. Oh, you were doing those sub sub gloves, huh? Taking the yeah, gloves I, off? I wanted to know. You're so tough, Bracken. I wasn't. I was so cold, you're, but it's... You're, you're so tough. Once you're in the workout, you get it done. Bracken, why don't you bring a shovel, man? A shovel? What am I going to... We had... I'm not joking that there was at least 30 inches of snow piled up there. Well, that's part of the workout too, Bracken. You know how long that would take to clear 30 inches of snow? I believe there <laughs> were two... 50 yards. <laughs> two grown ass men, or at least like the incoming 10 or 15 yards and the outgoing 10 or 15 yards. Oh, I don't know. All right. And I thought I had compacted it because of dragging with the, with the plate, but I didn't realize I just lowered the level. Yeah. And there's a difference between walking on it with the plate and then trying to run. As soon as you run, you just punch through another eight inches with your feet. So what did you learn though, about your fitness and where you're at? I guess it was hard to say, but what do you think? Ah, it was still obstacles and transitions really, really hurt. Yep. Really hurt. And I don't know. I, I don't know if I learned anything. It was exactly what we had talked about where because I didn't have someone there faster than me when I was really feeling good. But the question was, am I flying or am I just running fast for me right now? Yeah. And when I was hurting, it was, could is this the type of train that no one could move any faster? Or is this the point where I'd be getting dropped right now? Mm -hmm. So I actually didn't learn anything other than that my positive takeaway is I could work hard the whole time and I closed it down the final round hard. So I mentally was able to, to, to just keep it pegged. Well, good. That's what I'm getting a little concerned about with the ankle, even if it does come around, 
even just coming down off a set of monkey bars onto the ground or yeah. landing and stuff and doing transition work. I had two, I had two OCR workouts planned this week and they may just turn into traditional run workouts. Can I even run fast right now to have my lead in correct? Like it's going to be a mess, but we should, um, should we go into our topic of the day? I think we should. It's been 15, been 15 minutes. minutes. <laughs> Here we are just yakking away two chatty Cathy's. To get us talking about training and then all hope is lost. It is. Um, topic of the day, folks. Barriers to success. Mm-hmm. And that may sound fluffy or meaningless or not much substance to it, but it's actually everything. It's everything. And barriers to success in your lifestyle that can impact your training. Barriers to success in working your strengths or weaknesses as an athlete. Anything that prevents you or could possibly prevent you from getting to where you want to go in your athletic performance. I have this conversation a lot with my personal training clients. One of the first things I ask them, and everybody's always caught off guard, is I say, what do you see getting in the way of you being successful? Like Those are really what we need to focus on so that we can get ahead of the curve there. And today we're talking about barriers to success, aren't we, Bracken? We are. And and people responded really well when we had that conversation about make your columns about you as an athlete. Mm-hmm. If a race was tomorrow, what would I be good at? What would I be bad at? What would scare me? And what would I do worse than the, my peers around me? And we can analyze ourselves very black and white, and there's no emotional attachment to our athletic self. But suddenly, when we try to analyze ourselves that way, we put on those rose colored glasses or we put on our blinders, and we are unable to look at ourself and our personality and our own weaknesses that trickle over into our life or into our athletics the same exact way. But we need to make those same columns. What do I do that's worse than all my peers around me? Mm-hmm. If whatever popped up tomorrow, where what would scare me? Where where would I be lacking? You know, the, the areas that we ourself consistently run into that same barrier. Whereas an athlete, you'd say, I keep rolling my ankle. I need to get my ankle stronger. You know, mm-hmm. as a person, you you don't analyze it the same way. But in that yeah, in that case, you'd be you were not addressing your barriers to success if you continued to roll your roll your ankle. And it's hard right. when you're when you're you know it's right in front of your face. We talk about this as coaches all the time, self-admittedly, like we yeah. give advice that we don't take because we're we're too close to it, right? But like barriers to success are literally everything. And the first step that you have to do, and this could be anything from like, like for example, you're the person who gets caught up at work in the afternoon and suddenly you get home later and the kids are there and dinner needs to be made and then you didn't get your workout in when you should have just got up at four in the morning and got it done because one of your barriers to success is your work schedule and your home life, right? If it's not done in the morning, it won't get done. I mean, how many successful athletes do you see just knowing that and doing that schedule? It can be as simple as that to it can be as specific as when my hands get cold on the race course, I lose dexterity and I fall off a of shit. Mm-hmm. It could be the whole range. And so identifying them and then learning how to address them is kind of what we want to talk about today. Yeah. Did you ever play Madden? Uh, yeah, when I was young, I haven't played games in years, video games, but yeah. I haven't played that in years either. But one of the things that I always loved most was create a player mode. Okay. And then I loved when they introduced training camp mode. And so the way video games work, and I've talked a bit about my attribute point theory, but the way they work for people that aren't used to it is that every weapon, every character, every car in a video game has an attribute list, the skill set that that car is built out with. And so you can see I, it has a 99 speed and it has a 12 power. So you're going to struggle yeah. in that situation. And in Madden NFL football game, every player has every talent from speed, balance, acceleration, agility, strength, injury resistance, all of that across the board, throw power, throw accuracy, catch, uh, catching ability, punting, kicking, all of that. And it's just scripted out there. But in the game, what you can do is you can go into preseason mode which you take a player and you can take them through drills in camp, targeting areas that they're low at. And then if you do well enough in it, you gain attribute points that you can now put into that column. Oh, nice. And I've always thought that is the perfect analogy for life. That is exactly how we should all look at ourselves. We should be able to look at where are the places I'm always hitting the same barrier. Where is my weakness? Where is my strength? And now I'm just going to go to training camp and find those drills that will raise my attribute points up in my low levels or that will remove the barriers from in front of me because you would do it in a game because it's it's impartial it's just a character but you we don't generally do that with ourselves or at least unsuccessful people don't 
No. That uh, video game must have come out after I stopped playing because I didn't have that option on Madden. I think in 2005 or six they brought that option. That's about when I stopped. When I got done with college, I never touched a video game after that. Um, You know, barriers to success, like everybody has them. And it's the sum of all parts, right? Mm -hmm. I like to use just a bunch of little examples. Like, for example, if you're an emotional eater and you know, like, you need to trim up to run better, addressing something like that, having a backup plan, like, I'm going to choose X option instead of Y option. I'm going to get up early and get my workout done before work, like I mentioned. I know that um, my gym is closed because of COVID, so I invested in home workout equipment. All those barriers, just just addressing them. So. I think we jump right into it and say the starting point with this is with your list, your pros and cons or strengths and weaknesses is like, what is going to get in the way of you being successful? What are those things that you know you could do better at? Mm-hmm. And I think we should start by giving our own examples so people have a, a better idea of, of what we're looking at as far as barriers to success. What what are some examples that you have like that, that are going to trip you up, that are going to affect your potential performance output when it matters? What do you got? I have three big ones and I think they've all been discussed on here because we've, you know, we followed the surgery journey where I tried to analyze everything and a procrastination, B consistency and three, not doing the little things. Did you say a B and then three? It's one of those things I like doing. I like intentionally. Yeah. The other night, Ross, actually, I texted him. He said, well, I can see you're drinking because you said one and then you said B. I said, no, that's actually one of those. Sometimes I like intentionally using the wrong things. Okay, continue. I just making sure. So that's it. Procrastination, consistency, and not doing the ancillary pieces. I like to get caught up in the big picture things and not do the little unimportant to me, but definitely important to the big picture. So things like core, grip strength, uh, skill work, pieces like that. What about lifestyle though? I'm going to probably, okay, so I do this for a living yeah. like my with my personal training clients and we actually get somewhere. What about lifestyle? Like what potential has the potential to get in your way when it comes to the training or the eating that you need to do? Anything else? Anything ever trip you up or do you got it made? Well, I'm two things. The first is I do this for a living too. (laughs) And so I'm aware of the fact that most lifestyle pieces are framed by our personal weaknesses. So I could say kids, you know, I could say weather, I could say things like that, but those are all those only matter if I let my procrastination into the picture, you know? So I, I don't believe those. And, and the, the second thing that I am is I have someone who's crafted my life. Lisa and I have crafted our lives around the things that we value and the things that we find important. And so I don't have the drain on my time in areas where I don't want it because we've just, we've cut that out. So okay. I'm really the thing that will get in my way. If I don't win a race, it's either because I didn't prepare correctly or I'm not talented enough. Like those are my two things. It's very few external pieces of my life. I don't have, uh, you know, a wife who demands that I don't work out in the morning because I must take the kids and I don't work out at night because that's our family time. She says, don't work out between five and seven at night. That's our, like, that's it. That's the only demand. And I concur with that. And I don't have a a boss who drives me and makes me stay late because I'm my boss. So my life scripted around it. So still, I, th- I think it comes back to I'm my biggest barrier. If I procrastinate in the morning, then yeah, kids and meals mm-hmm. and things like that get in the way. But it's because I did it. It's actually a very simple situation. I would say you have bar- I mean, they can be big barriers to success, but your list is short. Yeah. And it's me. It starts and ends with my personal intrinsic weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I don't have, there's no one in my life that puts a barrier in front of me which a lot of people can't say because I don't work for anyone. I have a fantastic working relationship with my wife and my kids are very low maintenance. I saw the video of your son playing a song (laughs) for you and Lisa for Valentine's day. Yeah. I kid can jam dude. That was good. He's very serious. (laughs) He was, but that's what made it even better. How serious he was. You should go on. uh, I guess your wife's Instagram's private. So never mind. Can't see it. Is it? I think so, but it was adorable. It's probably good. (laughs) That probably is good. Um, Okay. Well, I was trying to get somewhere with that, with just saying, you know, the the scope is big. The scope is really big uh, of what barriers to success can be. And I still feel like there's probably some that you're not thinking about. Like, for example, how many of you wake up or or get up on a, 
Saturday morning and start getting busy and trying to get productive with, oh, I'm going to fold the laundry quick and I'm going to do this quick. And suddenly your coffee buzz is worn off and it's two in the afternoon and now you don't want to go out, Mm -hmm. but you do, but your workout is suboptimal because you're a little spent and you've timed your caffeine wrong. And suddenly those little hits to your system can add up. Like I have a number of, well, let's, let's, let's talk to me when I was still teaching then. Yeah, because no, okay, let's talk to you when you're still when teaching. I, when I was teaching in MPS, which is Milwaukee Public Schools, that was the worst year of my life as a professional. And that's mm-hmm. when I struggled. So reframe your question. Let's start it there. Okay, that's fine. When you were working yes. in the Milwaukee Public School District full-time, like most of our listeners are, what were the things you struggle with and how did you address them? Time. I never had enough time. That's how it seems, doesn't it? I had to be at school by 7.30. Yep. Which means that I had to leave home by, I lived close, so 7.15, but that means I had to be done with my workout by 6.30. I'll tell you what, my girlfriend just started a new job um, two months ago, 6.30 a.m. show up time. Mm. So she's up at 4, 4.30, it's her only way. She did it the first week, didn't work out. She got home, felt like she needed to make dinner for me, which is awfully sweet, was too exhausted, didn't happen. 4 a.m. wake ups now, but continue. That's what it takes sometimes. Yeah. So that was the start. I had to be up by 4.30 because I had to be done with my workout by 6.30. And that was if I had no prep for school to do that morning and if the kids didn't need anything. So my window in the morning was too tight for my liking. And then I had a stressful job. My, my job was a borderline nightmare at more often than not that year. And I came home, spent physically because I was on my feet all day long. I didn't sit down. Uh, I was at a, a high school that was um, an alternative high school. So it was for all kids that were expulsion, pre-expulsion or you know had trouble with law or whatever was going on that they couldn't be in the regular high school. And so if you weren't teaching, you were on call for <laughs> having to run down to a room and pull a kid out or, or, or help sure. out anywhere else. Or you'd be on uh, walk patrol around the school to make sure the kids weren't outside dealing or smoking or whatever, because that was always an issue. So I never stopped. And it was always depressing that year. It was just, yeah. it was, a, it was, the environment was bad. So I came home in a bad mood and drained every day. And then we had young kids and I was not good to Lisa because I was in a terrible mood and I had the 4.30 wake up call looming. So if I wanted to double or if I had missed my workout or if I wanted to get a lift or something, now family, it was either family time or that. And so then I was always, always feeling guilty, but always feeling like I was doing too little. What did you do about it? Okay. So that so that's great. Okay. So those are really good examples. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just keep talking through it. So, and I'm hoping that people are listening and can relate and then take what they need to out of this. So at that point, you clearly, okay, I know what you, I mean, one, you just change your circumstance. At, at, at the end of the year. I made it through the, the whole year. The, correct. You did, but you knew well enough to like, that was a big barrier to success and you, your happiness, your family's happiness, mm-hmm. your workload, your workouts. I know you ultimately got out because you yep. realized that barrier was too big need to be removed, but what did you do in the moment? Anything else that you could have done? <sighs> I mean, I should have got up earlier. I should have gone to one a days. I should have got it all done in the morning and just said nights are nothing but family. And instead of going home and thinking, now I have to play with the kids and now I have to spend time talking with Lisa and making dinner or whatever, I should have thought, now I get to unload from the day by doing those things. I lumped all of those in together. They were all listed as in my stressor column and my time drain column, rather than this is now my reward for the day as I get to wrestle the kids. How did your fitness respond in that time in your life? I had a really good year of racing. Shit. <laughs> the did. first half. Yeah, I had a very successful first half of the year. Um, but the important thing is, is that, I mean, the bulk of it wasn't it was, sustainable. Well, it wasn't sustainable, but you did get up and do the work and made training a priority. Some of the ancillary ancillary pieces fell by the wayside, but you did make your training a priority. I did. And, and it was at the expense of my family. I was really fit. I, I met John DeWitt that year at the new teacher orientation because I had transferred districts. So I had to go through it. And he was, uh, he was at that, that, that meeting and he had his nationals backpack on that everyone was gifted at nationals. I had the same one on. So we, but he said that morning I had done three by two mile at like five Oh five in the morning in the dark, I'd run three by two mile and then gone into new teacher orientation. So like I was dialed in and I was fit. But my, our marriage got to probably the second lowest point it's been that year. 
-hmm. and I was the worst father that year. And so I prioritized the wrong piece. So I was able to stay on top of my training, but I stopped doing the ancillary pieces that year. I stopped doing grip. I stopped doing core. I stopped doing skill work. And part of it was I lived in the city. I There was no place to do obstacles. There was no place to throw a spear. There, there were no hills. So I just went all in on engine. But that was the beginning of me not addressing the little pieces. Okay. But yeah, my, my personal life suffered greatly. Mm. But with all of this, it like I mentioned earlier, it's the sum of all parts. And it's some, some of all parts in, it's complicated in the sense that, okay, well, you were getting up at four or 4.30 in the morning. That means when were you going to bed? Like, were you even getting five or six hours of sleep at night? What's the sum of those parts over time as far as recovery, adaptation? You got to balance them all out. And that's why it's so, so important. Like, clearly on your barriers of success column, if you were to write it then, sleep should have been on there. I'm assuming it sleep would have been. Sleep always is because I'm a sleep-dependent person. And that yeah. helped spiral me worse is because then I was behind the eight ball on my sleep. And that added to my crabbiness. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was a rough year and that's why I always feel for people who are trying to be an athlete and a, and a person. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm busy. You are one of the busier people I know. Yeah. Somehow I created this life too. I don't know how it happened, but I'm working on fixing that, right? Working on fixing that because I understand, I think my biggest barrier to success is, you know, injury front for me is a pretty consistent theme. And I think it all stems, and this ankle thing is is not, I'm not including that. This is a freak <laughs> um, one-off. But um, it all comes back to rest, recovery, and my own time for myself. And then all of the fingers spawn off of that as to how to recreate that, right? Mm -hmm. For example, I go into the gym at 6 a.m. And sometimes I don't get home till 7 or 8 at night because I have to get up early and stay late by the time I get home and go to bed and eat and unwind. It's just not enough time. Then I end up getting five hours of sleep, going back to work, doing the same thing, squeezing my workout in the middle of the day. And I think it's just small chinks taken out of your armor over time, which can lead to overuse injuries or just general underlying fatigue. I am known to lay an egg once in a while in a race. Like suddenly it's just not there. And I'll be like, I don't know. Well, I probably do know, right? I probably do know exactly. Sure, I got good sleep the three nights up to the race because I prioritized it, but that doesn't fix two months of shit. Right. Sleep doesn't fix it. So for me, it becomes all of those things. Um, it's more the big picture, right? And it's the big picture in the sense where, like you did when you were teaching, I'm looking at reducing my hours in the gym and having two mornings where I can actually sleep past five if I can and trying to slowly but surely work my way there, focus a little more on the coaching things like that. Um, because I don't think it's necessarily glaringly obvious. I bet you most of you listening to this podcast work out and you, most of you probably hit your workouts when you should, and you probably are doing 95% of them anyways. It's all that other crap. What are you putting in your body? For me, you know, I like to have my whiskey at night. Is that detrimenting me? Probably in the long haul, it probably is. Stress getting up at three in the morning to go to the bathroom and being like, well, I got 40 emails to get to today. Maybe I'll just get on my computer now. All of those things add up. And I think a lot of people deal with that component. So for me, I think for a lot of people, it's reducing stress, maximizing recovery and prioritizing like being selfish is okay if it's not a detriment to your family. And so um, I think the, the selfish priority is something that people like, I think endurance athletes inherently are a little bit selfish because we're really focused on ourselves and our output and our training and we're results oriented and that's okay. But it like some people walk through life with the guilt about that selfishness. And sometimes I think, I think being selfish is all right. And if that means taking less clients at the gym for me, or it means you taking less athletes as a coach, you know, those are just small examples of barriers to success. They are. So we were, we started this conversation with, you should list them out, right? Yes. Just like we had our strengths and weaknesses columns. So barriers to success, anything that's gotten in the way of a workout in the past for you, just completely not letting the workout happen. Okay. Number one, what has prevented you from actually getting your workout done that day? Step one, does that happen? How does it happen? What's the situation there? Two, when you've had shit workouts, can you think about what led up to that shit workout that probably caused it? Sure. It could be a training volume and load thing, but more likely than not, there's, it's probably a bunch of little things. I didn't eat that great. I didn't quite get enough sleep. And I worked out hard this week. And then I laid an egg on Saturday, for, for example. So you start with those two things first. What prevented a workout from happening? And then what prevented that workout from being successful? That's where I start. And then you list all of the things that you can think of 
that have gotten in the way. Mm -hmm. That's where I start. Now, I have a list because we've worked with hundreds of people over the years. Mm -hmm. We see the patterns, the commonalities. Sleep, stress, food, financials, family, mm -hmm. and then self. Those are the common things that get in the way. You have people that have all those things that are always sucking at them like they were that year. They were always pulling down, always pulling down, always pulling down. And then you have the person who looks at that and, and they become that barrier then. They look at it and say, I can't work out today because I'm so stressed. Or I can't work out today because I ate like crap. There are the two people. There are one that will say, I had a terrible workout because I ate like crap. Or the person who says, I ate so bad, I just I just couldn't even, it wasn't worth working out. Or I had such a long day on my feet that I just couldn't get my workout done today. I was too tired. Whereas the other person will say, man, that was a crappy workout because I was on my feet so long. And I right. think deciding which person you are is really an issue. And there are a few people that I'm I'm working with right now who who are starting to realize that maybe they are reading their signs the wrong way. I realized that I was reading my signs the wrong way when I dabbled in the ultra game, where I got to a point where uh, in Tahoe, where I was uh, I was vomiting or dry heaving, just retching on the top of the mountain and my quads, my hamstrings were starting to cramp. I'm like, well, that's it. That's the end of the road for me. I'm here to, to win or go top three and fourth and fifth just pass me while I'm retching on the side of the road. Like, that's it. And I took a ride down the mountain. And then mm -hmm. afterwards, I talked to Chris Brown and he said, yeah, it sounds like you got the full ultra experience there. Mm -hmm. But he said it in a way like, yeah, that's that's common. Not an, oh man, I feel terrible for you. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what happens. And then you read other people's race report or you watch Courtney Dowalter on YouTube on some of these crazy race videos. And then you watch endless race videos of people doing that but then they just wipe their mouth and they continue running mm -hmm. and i realized shoot i'm that person that i interpreted those signs as well it's over whereas other people that doesn't enter their mind or they don't give it any credence they just say okay that sucked all right it'll come back around i'm gonna keep moving but they've probably experienced it before in a race too so they For were sure. prepared right where that was your first experience so if it happened again you would have your mindset wrapped around the fact that maybe you just wipe it and keep running. Maybe, or maybe you cement your pattern. Right, I agree. And those are the people I'm talking to right now, the people that are like, oh, the first time I had a long day, I didn't get my workout in. The second time, now I know I don't get my workout in on long days. And there are people that will know I'm talking to them because it's too dark, it's too cold, I'm too tired, I was too stressed. This came up, that came up. They're, it's interpreting the signs wrong. And that's a really common occurrence in our society right now. Well, and that's why it's so important to build out a list and actually identify them. Because as we were chatting before we started recording, ultimately what this comes down to is you you don't you're you don't have to be who you've always been, right? Yes. And that meaning like you do not have to fall victim to your own traps because you can put a plan in place to prevent them from happening, right? Which can then mean you don't always have to be the athlete that you always were if you have things that need to be improving on it all comes back down to that right ultimately completely uh, and barriers to success you know have gotten you into your current athletic situation whether you have very few limiters in your crush in life or you can't seem to get your feet under you like you'd like so i want to go back do you want to add something real quick i do because i love that idea that you don't have to be who you've been you don't. We all know the person that when you come back for your high school graduate, uh, your high school reunion is just like, that's you. Like you were the wallflower and now you're the confident. Yeah. Yeah. Or you were the kid that grew up on that side of the tracks and now you're running this company over here or you were obese and now you're fit or vice versa. But it's always because someone just decided I don't have to be that anymore. And we'd like to look at it as these big turning points in our life are the, the your chance for to turn the page, going off to college, getting a new job, meeting someone new, midlife crisis. Like those are the times, New Year's resolution. We wait for this freedom to be something new, but we live in probably the most free age there's ever been in terms of controlling our own destiny. Yeah. Waiting for a, a marker, like that road sign to pop up, be like next life change in three miles. No, that's, that's not it. You get to decide right now. Okay. I get to decide. I don't have to be a procrastinator anymore. You get to decide, I don't have to be controlled by stress and work anymore. Someone else can decide, I don't have to be controlled by food anymore. You don't mm -hmm. beat it, but 
you turn towards that other path. So every time you say that, you don't have to be who you used to be. I love it because it just resonates with me that we can change the moment you decide to change. Exactly. But, you know, it's all good and well in theory, but you still need to have an actionable plan, right? For sure. Which, which you know, which is what this is kind of all about. But it's totally right. You don't owe it. You don't have to be who you've always been. And eliminating barriers is, is the way to, to start addressing that. So I want to continue on with my my way to figure these things out, right? And step, step one was, okay, as I'll just recap here is, uh, what's preventing you from getting your workout done, period? Okay, like step one, glaringly obvious, low-hanging fruit. Yes. Uh, second, what has caused it to be just a shit workout? Whether you know you shouldn't eat pizza at lunch and then you have tummy troubles in your afternoon, like could be anything like that, right? Like think about those things. Is one bad workout or one missed workout going to affect your long-term progression? No, it's not going to. But if these are themes, absolutely mm-hmm. it will. And then you start to look at the ancillary pieces or the tertiary pieces, as I like to call them, the little things, right? Like I know I'm putting too much sugar in my system that I don't need. And I sit there and look at that tire around my waist, knowing that I'd run faster if I could just figure out a way around my nutrition downfalls. Um, I know that I lay in my bed on my phone and scroll through Instagram and an hour later I should be in bed yet I'm not. And that's an hour of sleep that I've lost. And then I wake up tired saying, I'm not going to do it again tomorrow night. And what do I do? I finally get in my bed at 10 o'clock at night and I scroll on Instagram again. And then I'd start the whole damn cycle over. Those are all like, I mean, stupid, but really real world examples. When I talk barriers to success, I got to get more sleep. Yeah. Well then get off Instagram late at night, put your phone away, do whatever it takes to, to make that happen and pick out those little things. I'm in a rush. I wake up too late and I get out the door and I don't feel properly in the morning and I'm in a caloric deficit by the time my afternoon workout rolls around. Start thinking about those things. What's getting in the way? Mm-hmm. Um, simple things like not having the right clothing right now when it's been super cold outside. Like I understand, I understand finances come into this, but like get the fucking right clothing. Like I can't tell you how many people I've heard because it's been, it hasn't hit zero degrees. It's been below that here for almost a week and a half. I'm not prepared to go outside. Well, then get prepared to go outside, you idiot. Like all of those things are part of the like ancillary or tertiary pieces to this puzzle. And those are where I'm like, that's where I need to hone in on is all of the fringe stuff about my life. And that's where most people who are fit, most people who do a really good job with their training, all that other stuff. Yeah. And so then you make that tertiary list. And I would break it up into that column. Like, why didn't I get my workout done? Why did I have a shitty workout? Or what are the other things that all add up to potentially affecting how well I can do and perform? Yeah. And those are the columns I I have. And you have to treat them like they're symptoms, not just like they're fluff. You don't wait. Like you said, it's all well and good to say, I'm not going to do this anymore. But if there's not a guardrail in place, you're screwed. Unless you Mm -hmm. are that exceptional person, in which case you're probably not doing that in the first place. The way I like to describe this to people is you have to treat it like an allergy. If you have a nut allergy, you don't buy nuts at the grocery store each week. You get them out of the house. If you are allergic to bees, you carry an EpiPen and you stay out of situations like you don't go and just grab flowers and smell them randomly. Yeah, sure. You know, you just don't do that. If you are really intolerant to sunlight, you don't go outside without your glasses and you have sunscreen always before you step out the door. If you have any sort of you know, if you have diabetes, you approach your fueling much differently because you have to, and you have to look at it the same way. Like these are truly hardwired issues that we have. If you know that every time I watch The Bachelor late at night, I eat a pint of ice cream, and then I just screwed up my whole work that week, you have two options. You stop watching The Bachelor or you stop buying the ice cream. But mm-hmm. if you wa- if you know you're going to watch it and you keep buying the ice cream, you're not addressing the symptom at all. And so I think treating them like they're true allergies are the, is the only way to get around it. You just you avoid the things that set your allergies off. And if you can't avoid it, you prep yourself with the correct medication and the correct protocol to withstand it. But you don't just say, "Oh man, I am really really allergic to peanuts," but I've always wanted to visit a peanut factory. So I think I'm just going to go try it. You know, you don't do that. You just wouldn't do that. So why would you do that with late night food or middle of the day? I'm just going to grab that donut off the counter at work. Or I know my mornings are my window, but there's a snooze button for a reason. You don't snooze your allergies. 
So you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you should not let it carry over into life. Is that making sense? Yeah, it's it's so it's funny about that uh, watching the Bachelor analogy. I use that one for you. I know you did. Thank you. I don't watch that show because it's complete bullshit, but uh, it's trash. However, when I was on The Bachelor, I had to watch myself. And it got real bad on my beer drinking, Bracken, because you want to know what the hardest thing in the world is, Bracken? Watching yourself make out on national media. Yeah. So I, I couldn't tolerate how raw watching myself on TV was. So I'd end up drinking beer. So I could just get through it because it is painful to watch. And then I'd show up on Tuesday, quality day Tuesday, still was doing that. I started doing that again. And then I would be, and then I'd be like, dang it, the bachelor got in the way of me performing today. (laughs) Roundabout way of saying, like, even in that example, that was actually true for me because I just had to have some beers because I couldn't tolerate the realness of watching myself on TV. So there you go. That example hit home bracket. Look at that. But yeah, so treat it like an allergy. and. And, and approach it as such, not as just a, a characteristic that can come or go. Like, it's not like cutting your hair. It's It just doesn't disappear overnight. It's like avoiding nuts if you have a nut allergy. You just can't be around them until you build up a tolerance to them. And listen, there's there's two things I want to touch on with this, okay? We've told you, yes, Bracken? No, nothing. I was, I was checking the recording button, making sure we were still good. My screen flashed for a second. I always like my heart sinks like one day when we forget to like stop or accidentally not hit record when we start this thing and then we're an hour in. That's like my I have nightmares about that. Um, But the two things is this one change is hard. okay? like change and fixing a barrier to success is freaking hard. Right. And it's painful and it's going to be uncomfortable. And that may mean a number of things for you. And it takes like three, four days before you even settle in. I got to get up in the morning and work out but I'm used to going to bed late, but I know I need to get them done in the morning. Yeah. You might walk around like a zombie at work for two, three, four days until your body falls in the rhythm and you're dying to go to sleep at 8 PM. And you actually finally do. Mm -hmm. So you get in your habit. Like, so developing that new habit is painful. And the first few days suck, no matter what it is, it's not going to be enjoyable. And you're going to hit around because I've been through this myself. You're going to hit day three, day four, and you're gonna have a choice to make. You're either going to be like, I am I don't care. I'm going to keep doing this because the life's going to throw something at you for the first time since you've started to be this new you. And that's when you like put the hand up and be like, nah, like I'm sticking to my guns. And then what happens, folks, is this motivation fuels motivation and results fuel motivation. Like we've talked about this before, but like you don't start with motivation and then you start with the doing. That's not how it works. You don't be like, I'm so motivated. I'm going to start eating better. No, you start eating better and then you're incentivized and motivated to keep doing so. It's not about like, you know what? I am going to try morning workouts now because I'm suddenly motivated. No, you just have to do it. You have nothing, no way to get around it. So you need to get through those first like few days. And even if that means having a hard conversation with your husband or wife or the kids or setting aside a new schedule time, if it is the schedule or anything, that's what I find gets in the way of people getting their workouts done, right? It's work and it's schedule with the family. Um, But anyway, so get through those first few days. And then like consistency spawns motivation to keep doing so. And you just have to suck it up. Whatever those barriers are, you just have to suck it up. You have to commit. You have to get through that first like three days to a week. I don't know how else to say it. Whatever it's a detriment at, even in other parts of your life might be worth it if they're really major and glaring because it will smooth itself out. Yeah. And your point is it's not going to be fun is correct. You no. I, I, Oftentimes I see this in the afterwards. I'm like, well, how'd it go? First day. Like, well... I was, I, I couldn't fall asleep. I knew I wanted to go to bed at, at 9.30, 10 o'clock last night, but my body wasn't ready. So I was just going to have to wait till I can get on a rhythm of falling asleep. It's like, no, 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 no. You have to teach your body to fall asleep by being dead tired. So it's you true. have to, you had a, t- uh, a midnight sleep. Okay. You have to get up at four because now you guarantee you'll fall asleep the next night. It mm-hmm. has to start with the bad part, not like get the perfect structure into place. And now I just cruise control. No, you... You earn cruise control off building the infrastructure yourself. You have to get tired in order to fall asleep. You don't teach yourself to fall asleep so that you won't be tired. Right, exactly. There's a, it's a good analogy. There's um, a gentleman that comes to, to my gym named Robert. He's one of those old school dudes, kind of has like a mullet and a mustache, just a good old boy. I like this guy a lot, Robert. Robert lifts old school with like jeans on and like it's rough. Yeah. But Robert was struggling with uh, sleep and it was affecting his work and it was affecting his personal life. And he opened up to me about it one day. And so he realized what, what the problem was is sleep was his problem and it was bleeding into every area of his life. And so what would happen is he would fall asleep on the job in the middle of the day or like take a nap over his lunch and come back late to work and yada, yada. And his sleep therapist, 
who he ended up hiring or whatever his maybe even a psychiatrist. I don't know. Gave him two rules. It was, you must work out every day. You get like one day off, I think. And you are not allowed to sleep during the middle of the day, no matter how painful it is, no matter how bad you need to or want to. You are so out of whack, man. You need to get up and you need to set your alarm at 6 a.m. No matter what, we're starting this tomorrow. You need to work out and then you cannot nap no matter what. And he told me, he told me he got an hour and a half of sleep that first night. I think he fell asleep at 4.30 and he got up at six and he worked out and he was miserable. The next night, same thing. I think he fell asleep at three or 3.30 going on like three hours of sleep. And the third night he earned that fatigue so bad. He's like, I fell asleep at like seven o'clock at night. I slept for, I slept for 11 hours and I woke up feeling like a new person. And that day started the, I mean, every time he comes in, I say, how's that sleep, Robert? And he goes, I'm doing what I'm supposed to and I'm sleeping. And it was that simple. And you could use that example in everything. Yeah. Everything. Kirk, I'm, I'm kind of experiencing that. I, throughout the surgery process and prior to that, got used to avoiding morning workouts and I'd fit them in wherever. And you and I talked that I'm at my best when I work out in the morning. And so I've been doing so. And this last week, the kids got strep and we thought they might have COVID. And so I was kind of quarantining with them and keeping Ayla, I mean, keeping Mira and Lisa separate. And Ayla sleeps best when she's hell that night, when she's sick. Otherwise, she's just like manic all over the place. Mm, yeah. And every morning, I'm, I stayed in bed with her to get her as much sleep as possible outside of big workout days where I had to get up. And I found unable to sleep past like 5, 520. That was, would have been unheard of for me years ago. But now it's like, all right, I've reprogrammed my body. I wasn't intending to, but now I do it. Even if I was up late knowing I'm going to, I'm going to have to stay in bed with her until 730 tomorrow. Yeah. I'll stay up and watch an extra episode of Game of Thrones. That's fine. And instead it was like 5, 520. My body's just like, are we getting rolling or not? And it just autopilot. It does it once you've earned it over the course of a couple of weeks or months. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. I'm question, actually just now. I'm curious. And did you perform? Have you performed? Yeah. Like you wanted to in those workouts? Yeah, I've been nailing workouts still. Good. Okay. I'm just making sure. Yeah. Just make sure that doesn't catch up with you now, Bracken. No, and they're good now, and I'm I'm back to it. And you know, I got up at four again this weekend to uh, get ready for my my sim, and everything was all good. But it's your body will train itself if you allow it to. If you stay out of its way and just let it do its thing, it will get on the right track. Yep. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how much more I even really want to say about all this other than like everybody's barriers are different. Um, the common threads I think we've been bringing up amongst ourselves, I think throughout this episode, but the examples like start really thinking like specifically about your life. Again, more examples. I could give you a million of them, but it could be I rush out the door after my morning workout and I don't save enough time to refuel and I end up grabbing a sugary some bar to get to work and am I really, you know, refueling and recovering right? Could be any sort of example like that, but like making that list is important, guys, and especially if like you want to improve upon what you're doing. If you're the hit or miss athlete, which I sometimes can tend to be, um, I'm really talking to you like if some days you bomb a workout and then some days you feel great and you're like, I don't know what, I can't put my rhyme or reason together as to why, which I, one of my tendencies, I'm taking a hard look at all this stuff myself right now. Um, you're the people I'm talking to the ones that are skipping workouts. Sure. I'm definitely talking to you, but the ones who aren't always showing up and, and being happy with what they're getting on that day, definitely talking to you too. So that's a, uh, that's how I want to kind of wrap this thing up. Do you want to add anything else to this? Yeah. I want to wrap up by getting to the sharp end of the spear now. For okay. we've been talking to the general person, but there's another level of person that still hits barriers and they're equally frustrating, but it's coming up just short in races. Sure. These are the people that are looking back and being like, man, I always lose because the same thing happens. I slip off a Z wall. I slip off a Z wall or I can't get out hard enough and I'm closing all the way through the line and I just, I take second instead of first. Like the rest of us would look and be like, oh, boo-hoo, poor you, you took second. But to that person, that is as weighty as you saying, oh, man, I missed another workout because my boss is all over me and this is ruining my life. Like it's mm -hmm. the same. Everything's relative. A problem's a problem to that person. Uh, and I always look at Matt Novakovic, who is a stud for years. A lot of people in the sport right now don't realize how good Matt Novakovic was. So good. He was head and shoulders above every uphill person in the world in our sport when he first came in and he could also go down and run a stadium race and was nasty at stadium races. He was so tough. He was one of the toughest humans I've ever competed against, but he only trained uphill 
And he, every race he lost, it was because there was a downhill component and his body couldn't handle it. And then I look at some other people who always fail some obstacle or someone at the top who's great at everything, but they just don't have this one piece down. Lindsey Webster for years was spear throw. Now people that can do everything right, but there's one tiny thing where if I lose, it's always because of this. And that final barrier is the, is the piece for these people. The specificity of, of the race itself and yeah. performing itself, which is kind of ties back to our strength and weaknesses episodes, but it's so true. You look at, and actually that progression, perfect outline is Ryan Woods and Ryan Woods came into the, the you know, the Spartan race scene was failing a bunch of stuff. He'd finished worse than 10th or 15th in some races. I remember my first U S national series race in Seattle, my first time dipping my toes, I was 17th and Woodsy was like 14th. That'd be unheard of anyways. So then he goes, and he fixes himself, right? He goes and starts doing CrossFit and grip work. And then suddenly, guy's in the top five and top three in all the races. Then he took care of that piece. Then what did he do? He cleaned up his nutrition, lost a little bit of extra chubby, felt like he was carrying around, stopped drinking a bottle of wine a night, which he self-admittedly was doing. And then he comes out and he wins three out of the five U.S. National Series races and becomes a U.S. National Series champ. That was a multi-year progression mm-hmm. of barriers to success that he followed through with. He did all the all the, the primary pieces and now he's on the tertiary ones. And that was, that's what getting dialed in is about, man. Yeah. And we're going to see it with Johnny Luna Lima. We will. If he ever won a race, it was because there were huge downhills. And if he ever lost a race, it was because he was too far back and couldn't close in the second half and the downhills weren't long enough. Yeah. We're about to see him take care of those remaining barriers. We've seen it with Hunter in the past where if he lost, it was because he just wasn't fast enough uphill. We've seen it with um, Ryan Atkins, where if he lost, it was because he just wasn't in the race at the beginning. These are the people that have these remaining barriers that they're attacking, and then they're they're kind of bulletproof after that. Yep. So we all have them. Even if you're an elite athlete, that column still matters. And now it matters more because you're not working on global issues. You're looking at very small, minute issues that are very, very fixable. I find for the open athlete and sometimes the age group athlete, it's column one and two. That can sometimes be the the major issue, like missing workouts or just not performing due to life circumstance. Um, it's when you're really fr- stretching for that last 5%. Yeah. It's all those, yeah, those fringe things. Look at Mark Audet. People would kill for his running stats and he would kill to be the best. Mm-hmm. You know, and so what did he do? He reached out to us and said, "Hey, what treadmill models would you recommend?" And I told him a few things. And the next week, he was on the podcast, and he already had his treadmill. Exactly. Like you know what? This is my priority. I need it now, and so I'm doing it. I, I don't have mountains, so he bought mountains. You know, they, that's the way you address a barrier, and it's not surprising with him. He's special forces. He's in the chain of command in the military. He looks at things dispassionately. He looked at himself and said, here's my weakness. This is how I dress it and did it. And that's yep. that's the only way to look at it. The more emotionally we are tied to our weaknesses, the less likely we are to adequately eradicate them. Yep, exactly. But you don't have to be who you've always been, folks. Mm-mm. And I want to just keep reminding you of that you do not have to be who you've always been. And the way to change that is to figure out why you are the way you are and fix it. If there's anything that needs fixing, that's how you go about it. Um, I'm going to work on wrapping this thing up, Brackenstein. Got a busy day ahead of me still, but I, I noticed something and I want to just make another plug for a running public training plan. Okay. I've done like two or three of the same workouts in the last two weeks that we are prescribing on the running public training plan. It literally, in a sense, not exactly, but is our training. Yeah. I chose to do the exact same workout that the people on the running public training plan were doing on Saturday because it's freaking good and it gets you ready for racing. I didn't get through it. However, I just wanted to tell you that we are drinking the Kool-Aid. We are making our own sauce and we are using it. Like that, that you guys, if you have not joined yet, you should. Come taste our sauce. Come, come taste our sauce, folks. <laughs> and, and if you haven't ordered a t-shirt yet, they've gone really quickly, guys. Um, the popular sizes in some of them are already out. We are working on getting more, but there are very few sizes left in like the smalls, mediums and larges in some. So like get on there and order it right now if you forgot to do it. Um, and the t-shirts are sweet. Bracken, yours uh, are arriving probably in the next day. Nice. By the way. I'm, I'm pumped for them. I'm excited yeah. as well. Next week is obviously race week, but for people who aren't racing Jacksonville, it is time trial week. So it's our first mm-hmm. week of testing. So this week they're deloading their lifts slightly and next week they are performing. 
And now everyone's going to have their baseline test. So everyone out there who was not time trialing, they get their, they're getting two time trials out of the way. And then we'll re-time trial in a few weeks, two separate time trials, and then we'll work back through and retest all four of those. So anyone who was putting off, and we've got this message, I'm racing Jacksonville or I'm finishing up my block. But after that, when you guys hit your deload week and then rebuild, that's when I'm joining up. I'm excited for that too, because we were staying restrained with the training in order to get through to Jacksonville in the first time trial. And now we kind of get to take a little bit of the, the training wheels off. Huge training block. It's going to be just, I mean, the lead up to Jacksonville, if you haven't already hopped on board, I don't imagine you're hop on, hopping on board until afterwards, but training is going to be like a few months of just badass stay power building training. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to be changing for those of you on the plan. Uh, you'll see some rotation in the strength work coming up too. So you can uh, look forward to that. Yep. New block of strength cycle coming in. Yeah, buddy. That's all I got. That's all you need. Take care of that ankle. I will. Stay classy, folks. Mm -hmm.